You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. This five games for me is, is going to be a big part of our, you know, moving forward, I think. The longer this goes, the more money he makes right now. Because they, they, they keep producing, he keeps producing. And so in America, do you speak English to him? And then Canada, you speak French to your post? <laughs> I, I do both all the time because I don't know what uh, Iron is from. Now, this is normally what we call an Andy joke. Andy. A what? <laughs> an Andy. <laughs> an Andy job. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Andy Job, good morning to you. Good morning. And Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer. Today we are in Hour 1 of the program. Hour 1 is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. And, of course, we're coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech. Got a big show. I know I say that all the time. Sometimes I don't mean it. Sometimes I'm going through the routine. Mm-hmm. I mean it today, though. Huge show. Four guests. Canucks are back in action. We've got a big giveaway. Fourth day this week, we got a big giveaway. Guest list begins today at 6.30. Nick Shook from NFL.com is going to join the program. We're going to do our NFL Divisional Playoff Round look ahead with Nick on a Thursday. Get out ahead of it a day early so we can start gambling, start betting all kinds of money on the games. Four games this weekend. In addition to that, we'll also get into all the coaching news with Nick Shook. I guess it should be mentioned that Mike McCarthy is officially back. As head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. That was the big news overnight. Nick Shook's going to join us. <clears throat> Excuse me. At 6.30. 7 o'clock, Craig Morgan from PHNX Sports. He is our Coyotes guy. We go to him every time the Coyotes are in the news. Uh, they are in Vancouver tonight. 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena. Canucks get back in action. Did you know that the Canucks have not skated prior to yesterday on Rogers Arena ice since January 2nd? Oh, really? They've been gone for so long. They're back tonight. Uh, the Coyotes are the op- uh, opponent, so we'll talk to Craig Morgan at 7 o'clock. Will Michael Carconi get in the lineup tonight? He's been a healthy scratch lately. I saw that. Yeah. How do you healthy scratch your third leading goal scorer? Cause Honestly. Because he's, he's Michael Carconi. Probably. Right. That is yeah. the answer. Uh, <clears throat> 7.30, Brandon Astle is going to join the program. Astle. Brandon Astle is going to join the program. He is the play-by-play voice of the Abbotsford Canucks. So we'll mm. do an Abbotsford look-in with Brandon as they get closer and closer to the All-Star break, Arshdeep Baines is going to be going to the All-Star game to represent the Abbey Canucks. Yeah, I've been thinking more and more about which Abbotsford Canucks could possibly replace some of the pending unrestricted free agents on the Vancouver Canucks if the Canucks can't afford to keep them all because the Canucks won't be able to afford to keep them all. So I'm particularly curious about a guy like Vasily Podkolzin. Could he step in for Dakota Joshua if they can't afford to pay him? We'll talk to Brandon Astle about some of the players down in Abbotsford who might be ready to take the step, not necessarily now, but next season. Uh, 8 o'clock, 
final of our four guests today. It's the Drancer, Thomas Drance from the Athletic and Canucks Talk right here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, we'll look ahead to tonight's game, look ahead to the game on Saturday against the Leafs. That's all coming up. A reminder, we are giving away uh, second to last, the penultimate, Jason, giveaway for the big football game. Sunday, February 11th, a football game of the American version, a game of note. Uh, we're giving away a prize pack. It's a table, a reserve table for you and five friends, plus a $100 gift card. Uh, and Sportsnet 650 personalities will be in attendance at the Clayton Public House to attend the big football game on Sunday, February 11th. Yeah, Riccio's doing lap dances. That's that's what he decided to do. Is that before or after he swallows fire? I thought he was... <laughs> Can't it be both? Yeah, I guess... <laughs> wow. On, while he's Jury. on your lap. Yeah. <laughs> Careful. Oh, I'll give you a pair of special goggles. Oh, Dan, you'll kill us all. <laughs> Probably with the fire. Okay, yeah. so if you want to win uh, the prize pack to the big football game, Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650. Send a what we learned. Make it good. Put a football emoji into your text. You'll be entered into the grand prize draw. Uh, I should mention again, it is the Canucks and it is the Coyotes tonight. It's also the uh, 32 Thoughts live show taping. We sent all those listeners to Wicket Hall in Victoria. I hope everyone mm-hmm. was able to make it with this very, very unpleasant weather we're having. Yeah, he Friedrich was in town last night, I think, for uh, Canucks Autism fundraiser at a very fancy restaurant, uh, Published. It's got a Michelin star. Wow. Published on Maine. That's pretty impressive. I haven't been to it yet. I have not either. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, working in reverse on the guest list. I've been to um, McDonald's. That has a Michelin star. I looked at well. Published and they told me to leave. Yeah. <laughs> Please do not glance in our direction, sir. <laughs> guest list, 8 o'clock, Drancer, 7.30, Brandon Astle, 7 o'clock, Craig Morgan, 6.30, Nick Shook. That is the guest list. That's what's happening. Laddie. Let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What happened? What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. So, the Canucks are now set to begin a five-game homestand before they go into the All-Star break. So if you look at, really since the calendars turned into 2024, you had a very important and a very uh, successful seven-game road swing. When the schedule came out at the beginning of the year, many saw that people, or many people saw that as a real moment in the season. Big seven-game trip, you got to go back east. They get a break. Now they come back and they get five games at home before another very significant mark in the schedule the All-Star Game. And these five games, Jason, I've got to say, having done minutes of research last night, the upcoming five games is not exactly a murderer's row of opposition. I say this knowing that I could be setting the team up for a jinx, but I also say this knowing that this team is different. They won't fall victim to a jinx because the head coach, Rick Tocchet, is making it abundantly clear, like, hey, we're back home, we're feeling good, we've had some rest, we're relatively healthy, And this is a chance for us to cement that we are a good team before we go into another break at the All-Star break. Uh, Let's hear from the head coach now because Rick Tockett mentioned this yesterday during his media availability. Five games starting tonight with Arizona. Pretty important for Rick Tockett and company. Yeah, and and that's why I come up these next five games like um, before we have a 10-day break. This focus level for five games to me is a very key part of our fabric. Like I'm really interested to see how 
you know, and I'm very confident that he will be at the focus level of this team. In our building for five games where, you know, we get to rest a little bit here before the next game tomorrow night, but um, w w this five games for me is, is going to be a big part of our, you know, moving forward, I think. So you look at the five games, and it's tonight against the Arizona Coyotes, uh, Saturday against the Toronto Maple Leafs, Monday against the Chicago Blackhawks, Wednesday, St. Louis, and then next Saturday, Columbus. It's hard not to look at this and say, hey, four of those five teams aren't playoff caliber. Yeah, you know, I just think back to last season, since we often compare how bad last season was to how good it's been this season, and the Canucks would regularly have absolute clunkers at home. And I think they finished with a losing record at home. They were 19, 20, and something. Uh, I guess three. That would be the math. What am I? I don't know. Whatever. Uh, 19, 20, and two. And there were games that were just dreadful at home. And you got the, the paying customers going and showing up and going like, Are you, is this, this the team, really? Mm -hmm. um, this year, the Canucks have, of course, been good on the road, um, largely based on what they've just done, but they've also been really good at home. 14, four and one at home. And, you know, you, you don't want to get too cocky, but I think the Canucks have been pretty good about their messaging, which is, you know, you don't let the highs get too high or, or the lows get too low. Not that there have been too many lows, but yeah, Arizona, Toronto, Chicago, St. Louis, and Columbus, you know, as you've noted, the only team currently in a playoff spot of those five teams is Toronto. They and barely got one. And Toronto is not playing very well right now. Toronto's got all sorts of issues, and we can talk about that today, and I'm sure we'll talk about it tomorrow when we preview the Leafs game. Um, you know, this is this is a stretch of games where we should expect the Canucks to win, I don't know, four of them at least. I had that question in here. Yeah. What is... A, a real like benchmark that you have to hit, yeah, on this road swing. I mean, you got this home swing. Sorry, yeah. I would say I would say either one of like four wins or eight points. However, you get to either one, yeah, like, that's it. Right? Sure, yeah. The this is you know the other clip that I tried to get from talking, but it was too long, and I wanted to get to us talking. Of course, is that he was talking about being a special team and being a team that does special things, and some of it was traditional hockey cliche. I get it, but he had. Um, he had a line that essentially said, <clears throat> one, uh, no level of satisfaction with what you've done. Like Special teams don't pat themselves on the back. They don't puff their chests out. When they do well, they always are on to the next challenge. And then the other one he said is that there's no, there's no let up ever. And I think that goes hand in hand with being overconfident. But you can't rest on your laurels with the great home and road records that Jason mm -hmm. just alluded to. You can't rest on your laurels that you just went... Five one and one on a seven game swing, where you took care of a lot of really good teams in the East, and you did so emphatically. Like so, essentially, what he was saying is, the special teams uh, rise to the level of the challenges, but they don't ever sink to the level of their opponents. If but that makes sense. Don't you think they also embrace the work? Like, well, he they, he mentioned that they, as well. They, they enjoy they enjoy the work. Mm -hmm. You know when you do, when you hear about successful people. I always think about uh, who's that Canadian um, astronaut, Chris Hadfield. Mm. He was like, he was an astronaut. Oh, I also write books now, right? You know, like that guy is never 
going to rest on his laurels. He's never going to be satisfied. He's got an album too, it. and it's yeah. not. And it's not the. It's not the accomplishment. Very annoying. I. I don't like that. When well, people are really, really good at multiple yes, things. Yes, it is. You're good at lots of things, it, Andy. It, not, yeah. I'm not an astronaut. No, no not but, yet. He does many but, different a jobs. But Chris, no, I have many a jobs. That's yeah. true. But Chris Hatchfield, like I'm, I've seen him with a hacky sack, and he doesn't look very good. And you know, like you well, can. I, hacky. I guess I got him on that. Yeah. So you got him on that. Um, but these guys, they, they enjoy, they enjoy the work. That's actually, that's actually almost more so than the results. And here's our 2011 reference. We always heard about that team. That was a pretty special team in terms of how the Canucks were over the entirety of their franchise and their practices were super competitive with each other. And it wasn't because like someone was saying, be super competitive out there. It was like, we're just a competitive group. We like to compete with each other. We like to work hard. We like to embrace the challenges because it's fun to do that as a team. You mentioned playing at home, and that's a big thing for this team. I mentioned off the top of the show, they have not skated at home prior to yesterday since January 2nd at Rogers Arena. And I didn't even realize this until scrolling through some of the notes. This is the first chance that home fans are going to get to see the lotto line in person this season because, of course, the lotto line was put together after the loss in St. Louis, game one of the road trip. That trio, and by that trio, I'm talking about Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser, and JT have combined for, wait for it, 15 goals and 30 points in six games. 30 points in six games since they've been reunited. So it'll be very cool for fans to get to see the reunited lotto line. Hopefully they can keep cooking like they have. I think it might be a tad unrealistic to suggest that they're going to average five points a game for the remainder of the well, season. Well, they haven't been very good for the last two games. Did that, did that just like break your silence? Just break it? Just break your brain right there? No, they, they they weren't very good for the last two games. I I still don't know if Tockett wants this. He's gonna roll with it for now. Yeah, I don't know. Long, I still don't know if he wants it. Though. Put it this way: I doubt that they keep the remainder of the thirty plus games that they have in the regular season mm-hmm. together. Like one of the things that I think was nice about yeah, but he him, didn't want to, he didn't want Hronik and Hughes together. And no, no, they've been dude, together that, the entire year. Point. Very good point. <laughs> so, no, that's about that's, that's about a choice, really maybe. good point. Yeah, I just think that. Um, forward lines seem much more malleable, and it seems like they're more designed to be changed Mm -hmm. than defensive pairs. Defensive pairs, the big thing that we were talking about going into the season is you want to have the stability, and you want to have partners that know what they're doing. With the line combinations, I mean, you see it countless times that they're thrown into the blender either for a spark or because someone's not going. I think what the best part about what the lotto line did over the road trip is show that, one, they can still play together, obviously, but two... You can throw it together at a moment's notice, and they're good to go. Like that's yeah. one thing that they and Tockett spoke about during the road trip. Well, for me, it didn't take a lot of reps to you know rediscover the magic. For me, it's not just the lotto line that has to be good together when you when you put them together. I think most of the time you can probably count on them to be pretty dangerous as a line. It's the really the other lines that have to keep up, and we've said it time and time again. One of the reasons that. Tockett has been able to put the lotto line together is because you've had success from the Bluger line with uh, Garland and Dakota Joshua. And then you've been able to put Pew Suter in, onto a line with Mikheyev and, um, and uh, Kuzmenko. Mm-hmm. Um, so as long as those lines are not getting buried, and I don't think the Bluger line is going to get buried, 
But I do wonder about that suitor Mikheyev kuzmenko line. Like, what role does that line have? And could it be, in theory, more successful at home when you've got last change and you can maybe get it out there for some softer matchups? That's an interesting point. So I think it was our very own Josh Elliott-Wolf noting that the majority, if not all, of Andre Kuzmenko's healthy scratches this year have come on the road, yeah. where talk it doesn't get to dictate final change. Mm-hmm. So makes it's a it's a, good, it's a worthwhile point. Yeah, so that'll be interesting to monitor as well. Uh, tonight's opponent, we should touch really quickly on the Arizona Coyotes, probably quickly because it is the Coyotes. Although it's been a impressive season by their standards, uh, they've fallen off to start January. They haven't been very good since the calendar turned to 2024. You got a team coming in tonight that's lost five of its last seven. Craig Morgan described it as a quote-unquote crushing loss to Calgary the other night where they had a 2-0 lead, blew the lead in the third period, and lost 3-2 in overtime. I always assumed that when the Coyotes got a point on the road, that was a good thing. But maybe standards have changed for the Coyotes. Um, The biggest issue for the Coyotes, and maybe it's a good thing for the Canucks right now, is that they've allowed a ton of goals. And they were normally stingy in the first part of the season since the calendar's turned to 2024. I believe it's 27 goals in their last seven games. It's really 27 and six because they had a shutout against Minnesota a couple nights ago. I I don't know. I disagree. I think the biggest issue for the Coyotes is is that they don't have enough good players. That's probably part of it. And maybe one of them's a net. I'm not sure. It is funny when you look at some of the names, man. Some of the, well, I mean, I I put it in the notes. I mean, their top two centers right now are. Jack McBain and Alex Kerfoot. McBain. Get McBain. I can't believe that. that <laughs> this is a team that really is, look, they're four points out of a playoff spot, and they have two games in hand, so it's not unfeasible you know, unfeasible that they could be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But I, then I look at it, and I'm like, how are you going to make the playoffs in the West with Jack McBain and Alex Kerfoot as your top two centers? Like, they are pretty light on talent. Uh, Clayton Keller's a good player. He's going to the All-Star game. He leads the team in scoring. But I'm with you. I'm not sure how realistic an actual playoff push will be from this group with the guys that they've got. I think they're going to be one that maybe if they can hang around till, I don't know, February, yeah. that that's a win for them as a team. They've had some big losses lately. Like they haven't been, been blown, great. They, they've been blown out yeah. a few times. Um, okay. I do want to get to the Toronto Maple Leafs thing because you alluded to this earlier. And again, all due respect the Arizona Coyotes, but a lot of people, including in the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket, are already looking ahead to Saturday's game in Toronto. Hockey Day in Canada, not in Toronto, against Toronto. Hockey Day in Canada. Uh, it's here. You got a Maple Leafs team that's coming in. Sputtering, I think, is putting it mildly. I wonder if there's a crisis of confidence going on for Sheldon Keefe and company. Doesn't Sheldon Keefe always seem like he's pleading with his players to play better? Yeah, and I think like he's that- always just like, he's always seems like he's hanging on by... You know, if there's the skin one of look, his teeth, if there's one team where I would say the players have maybe more power or sway or authority than any other NHL team, I think it would be the guys in Toronto, right? Because mm-hmm. because of the salaries, because of I mean, honestly, how good some of them are, because of how management capitulated to their contract wants and needs. I just wonder sometimes if Sheldon Keith does have to beg his best players to be his best players. Do we have the audio here? So we're talking about a Maple Leafs team that's lost four in a row. They have four regulation wins in their last 14. They're at the midway point. They're in the first wild card spot. And Sheldon Keefe is openly asking questions about what players he can rely on in the clutch. That feels like a real crisis of confidence to me. You tell me, though. Here is the Leafs head coach, Sheldon Keefe, uh, why he still has a lot of questions about his active roster. 
anyone that goes on the ice in those key moments, you know, we need to execute. And some of it is relying upon those who've been here. And then the other part of it, as I'm trying to work through as a coach, is to figure out with all the new players we have, whether it's forward or defense, who, who are we going to rely on in those moments? Who's going to go out and get the job done? And, uh, you know, despite the fact we're through, you know, through the halfway point of the season here now, uh, 42 games in, uh, I still have a lot of questions, quite honestly, about who who is going to go out and, and we can say is for certain who's going to get the job done for us. To me, it's a little bit inconsistent throughout the group, and I would put TJ in that, in that category. So we've all seen... Um, from the Canucks this year, how important it is to have reliability throughout all four lines and three defensive pairs, right? If you're worried about a certain player going out on the ice, you know, it's it's hard. And that's why a guy like Kuzmenko gets healthy scratched. And that's why we've liked what we've seen from Nils Hoaglander in terms of the progression that he's made. Um, I wouldn't call him super reliable right now, but he's more reliable. He's less of a problem for the coaching staff to deal with um, because Manko will have to see. Here's a question for you that we never really um, discussed. Murph reported when um, the Canucks were in Buffalo, snowy Buffalo, (laughs) that Leafs general manager Brad Treliving was in attendance in Buffalo to watch the Canucks and he was driving back to Toronto post-game. And that was quite a commitment to make considering the weather. Sure. Who do you think True Living was there to watch? Oh, Jason, I think you know who I think you might say. <laughs> do you think he, do what was that? Do you think? Do you think? Oh God! Now I'm now I'm creating. Do it! Do it! Do it! Do you think he was watching Zadorov? Boom! Do you think? No. Okay. Let's hold on. Hold on. Hold on. No. Yeah. Is your logic here that? Um, they wanted to get him? Well, yeah, but mm. th- there's a potential of them acquiring him either in the immediacy or maybe in the summer. Is that what you're suggesting? Mm, not in the summer. I'm suggesting that, um, you know, if the Canucks want to add, let's say they want to add Tanev, right? Let's mm-hmm. say they want to add another defenseman. Doesn't one of them have to go out the door? Yeah, Doesn't the left shot? Trail? Yeah, like so. You're like, suggesting they trade the guy they just got and then sign Tanev? No, no, no acquire, 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 acquire. Got to move someone out yes. to yeah, move yeah, somebody yeah. in. You know what I mean? Someone like that. Like what you think would happen? Now, like Zadorov. You just got in, here, though. Defensemen yeah. don't get hurt, do they? Okay. Never. No. Okay, so if they acquire Tanev, um, who who sits and everyone's healthy? Who sits? Zadorov. <laughs> so they got those, the right, the right really side. Myers? The right side. Yeah. My, the Myers, they're going to keep, I think. Yeah. yeah. So the right side would be Horonic, Myers, and Tanev, and the left side would be, I think Hughes is probably going to stay in the lineup. Um, you got Ian Cole there. You got Susie. Is it possible that Zudorov was acquired partly just as a stopgap for the Susie injury? Do you remember like how there was like, oh, we got Ikita Hiroshi in there? And the, the Canucks were lagging a little bit. Yes, right? 100%. At, at, at that time, and they had Hiroshi and, and Juleson in the lineup. But when he was like, oh, is it possible? Is it just possible that he was looking at Zudorov because the Leafs need to make some acquisitions. They need to figure some things out. And I think we, we're all pretty sure that Treliving um, is going to do something. Treliving has a connection to Zadorov from his days sure. in Calgary. And is it possible? Is it at least there to, at least there to look at Zadorov? Can I just say I'm proud of you? I'm very proud of you. Because you're cooking up a, this is a good take. 
This is a good hot take. It makes a lot of sense. There's logic involved with mm-hmm. it. If you follow the chronology of it, there's some validity to it, but it's also got enough spiciness to make it, you know, muy caliente. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. But, and hey. Like, is it, it, it's, maybe, it's, it's maybe, like, completely rampant speculation. Who cares? Well, it's, that's, the best, <laughs> that's the best kind of speculation. That's also, sports talk. That's sports talk, you're baby. Not, you're not being, like, crazy negative. You're not no. trying to, like, this is to benefit everyone. Maybe not Nikita Zadorov, but everyone. There'd but be- if they're going to bring in, if they're going to bring in a player, like, they're going to need to move salary out. That would be some. Right? Hey, they couldn't keep them all, what. right? There'd be uh, no way they could afford Doing this would be like 4D chess. Like we bring in Zadorov to stopgap the Susie injury. Yeah. Now Susie's back. So we got him. I'm, I'm doing a lot flip, of hand Flip him to Toronto and then you can retain and then if you, you need to because the Leafs and maybe you're going to, maybe it's just like a quick, quick, uh, you know, trade profit. It's too bad there isn't a way you could keep them all, though, because you just know there's going to be an no, yeah, in the abso- playoffs. Absolutely. It would be Pokemon, amazing man. if we could have that. You can't keep them all. It's not Pokemon. You can't just keep them all. Okay? You got to move things around. Mm-hmm. Put them in the box. <laughs> no, but it, box. but it makes sense because it's funny. The way that their blue line is constructed, it's like you like what they've got when they're healthy, but you know that they're like one injury or one stretch of ineffective play. That's being the like, problem. Right? Yeah. Now I will say this. But you can still bring in like a, you can still bring in a depth defenseman after that. You can make Toulson has turned into a perfect seventh defenseman. Yeah. Almost. But you can bring in an eighth or, sure. or, and, and probably for cheap, right? Not, you're not, you're not going to give up a lot. If you're going to go on a deep playoff run, you need more defensemen than you think. Mm-hmm. You do, but yep. you need a hierarchy of defensemen. Yeah, you but I'm just I saying mean? you got like, to you, you got to work with the understanding that one of them or two of them are probably going to get injured. But I, if you're going on a deep run, okay. And here's the other thing. So we just circle back to add to your point. Like Toronto right now is not in a good way. So the reason that Keith said that is because they've lost uh, four straight and they've blown leads of some way, shape, or form in five of their last seven. Right, and that's an important thing to point out because you got a Canucks team that, what was it prior to that game in Columbus? It had been twenty five zero and zero when leading after two periods. Like that's a team where there were no questions from the head coach about who you trust to protect a lead. And talking like all my guys except Kuzmenko, all my guys, right? Like that's the yeah. thing. Keith's asking these questions openly, and there's a lot of criticisms. And the the, the end of that answer was TJ Brody. Because mm-hmm. TJ Brody's taking a lot of heat because they're like like a first pair shutdown defenseman. <laughs> they didn't shut anybody down. Like there, he's not protecting leads, so they need help on their blue line. Like I think it's very obvious that they have to go out and do something because this season's kind of getting away from. Yeah, them. Nick Shook is going to join us soon. Uh, a few people have texted him. Why would Tree Living travel to watch a player that he watched 82 times a year for the last two years? That's you Mark see him now. White Rock. Yeah, I mean it's a good it's a good point. He could have changed, but um, I just wanted to bring up that that conversation and and, and maybe he missed him. There's that one thing that changes. Idea. It's stay at home, take your just, logic, and get out of here. Just, I just wanted to see his face in person. Yeah. We, they went to Niagara I missed, Falls after I missed, your musk. <laughs> missed your odor. Yeah. Uh, okay, we're way up. Your musk, uh, not your odor. <laughs> missed your odor. Yeah, those are different things, Andy. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. What we just have to call Thomas Grant's erotica.
why Brandon Astle wants his own jingle, right? They don't just become an earworm. They evolve. Imagine the gall of asking for your own intro after one hit. I thought you'd be honored. Didn't Shorty do that? <laughs> he did. <Yeah. laughs> um, it just speaks to like how big a thing it is in our industry now. Having a started, dog theme got, song. started to regret this decision. These young kids, though, they're so entitled. <laughs> Gotta earn it. You want an intro? Come on, man. You have to earn it. Unless you're John Shorthouse. I'll give him a five-second intro, and every hit I'll add five more Yeah, seconds. that's what I'm saying. It's the evolution yeah. of the intro, right? Because the Drancer one just keeps going on and on and on, much like Drance himself. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff <laughs> Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford & Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today, we are in Hour 3 of the program. Thomas Drance is going to join us in just a second here. Uh, hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet? What are you waiting for? Kintech. Let's go to Thomas Drance now on the phone lines on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Drancer? <laughs> Just getting ready to filibuster, my dude. <laughs> yes, here we go. <laughs> by the way, when you come in next time, I don't know when you did your last show, but uh, big news, they fixed the chairs in the studio? Ooh. Yeah. What? Well, they sort of fixed them. They put new arms on the chairs, but mine is still sinking. It's sinking right now. Yeah, wasn't that the problem with it? The sinking? No, the arms were also completely ripped apart. Oh, okay. And instead of getting new chairs, they put new arms on old chairs. How does it make you f- <laughs> How does it make you feel about yourself that your chair cannot handle you? A little girthy. <laughs> Maybe girthier than I than I care to feel. The chair yeah, I, the I can hear the chair like so he made me switch chairs. He's like the, the the that chair you're using is squeaking. I'm like, yeah, but the other one buckles under my weight. So. <laughs> he sits down and there's sparks. <laughs> so you tell me what the solution is, Jason. Anyways, let's ask some questions to Drance about the Canucks. Uh, Drancer, um, yep. okay, explain the uh, the article that you wrote uh, about Elias Pettersson and how you learned not to worry about Elias Pettersson. Yeah, you know, I think more than anything – Sometimes it helps to just go 30,000 foot view, look at the rules, look at the the big picture stuff. And I think in the case of where we've gotten to with Pedersen, and for whatever reason, it feels like the team's turned up a little bit of heat, right? The, 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 the seams of impatience have started to show, I think, in some of the public commentary. I think you've seen fans get a little more anxious about the fact that you know, the, not not only are things not done, but there doesn't appear to be immediate, you know, progress on the horizon. And, and yet, when you really unpack where they're at, how it all works, you know, I don't think the notion of Pedersen waiting and the team getting increasingly, um, you know, whatever, however you want to frame it, impatient or, or just like really wanting to get things sewn up here. I don't think that's outside the bounds of rational self-interest, frankly. Right. I mean, we've seen as Pedersen's waited through the course of the season, um, we've seen that his leverage is enhanced. We've seen that the team, you know, when they talk about the deal now, it's like, yeah, we'll do whatever term he's open to. Right. Like we want him to be a big part of the team. Like you've seen 
how the balance in this has kind of shifted uh, in Pedersen's favor. Uh, you've seen this team win. You've seen him gather a ton of new information. And, and when you sort of look at it that way, you know, I, I at least think it's worth noting that this shouldn't maybe be as big a surprise as it is, especially given that Pedersen's wired to handle, uh, I think, in, in some unique ways perhaps, um, you know, going through this season with this level of uncertainty in a way some players probably wouldn't be. Yeah, I always kind of laugh when people say, like, stop talking about it. Petey doesn't want you to talk about it. I'm like, it helps him. It it helps the negotiation when there's panic in the market and maybe a little bit of, I don't want to call, call it panic, but maybe uncertainty in the front office. Is that the point you're trying to make? Like, the, for the Pedersen camp, it's as long as he keeps producing, it might actually help him in negotiations. Yeah, I, partly. I mean, partly that's the part of the point I'm making. But also, you know, we the dynamic here is so unique in that we've got cap growth for the first time in half a decade, right, on the horizon this this off season, and then we've got another year where it could be far more significant, right? Like a more significant lift than four million is absolutely possible for that 2024-25 campaign when Pedersen will be, you know, uh, if he decides to play his cards a certain way, a pending unrestricted free agent, right? I mean, that's where you start to get into valuations, and it's not just for Pedersen. This is partly why it's fascinating to me too, right? It's also for Miko Rantanen and Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, you've mm-hmm. got, you know, a bunch of these high-end guys who really do – uh, depending on how it shakes out, have an opportunity to kind of detonate the framework that we've been living with for the best players in the league for, honestly, I mean, when did when did McDavid sign, right? Um, 2016? Like, like, a long time since anyone got paid much more than that, right? I mean, I guess Matthews kind of did it again uh, of late, and that's another comp that sort of trickled in. The Nylander comp would be another... Um, comparable deal that has trickled in as a result of Pedersen waiting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we could be living in a totally new world in terms of what the best players in this league make. And as Pedersen's on pace for his second consecutive hundred point season here, um, you know, as he remains sort of the only guy in the league whom you can describe the, the following way, 25 or under and a hundred point center. Right. I, I mean, you know, that this gets really interesting, not not just for the Canucks, not just for Pedersen, but from a big picture perspective of where the league's going and, and how star players are compensated. So I was reading some stuff about how Matthew Kachuk left Calgary yesterday. Oh, and, no. <laughs> You're well, in a dark place. <laughs> okay, yeah, I was in a dark place. But I did find this interesting because, you know, the party line from both sides, both the Canucks and uh, Pedersen's reps, is that, listen, there's still club control for another year. It's not the same yep. situation as Nylander, which is absolutely true, although I think it is also a lot of bit of, or a lot, uh, it's a bit of spin um, because well, yeah. Pedersen's still in control, and if he wants to leave, as we saw with Matthew Kachuk, he can leave. And one of the things that Kachuk said, he said, when I didn't sign before the RFA period, I wanted, given my rights, to be able to talk to other teams just to see different paths or what could go on with other teams. If the Canucks let Petey get to officially RFA status this offseason, like he becomes officially an RFA, 
he can talk to other teams and they can try and convince him that they can do something that maybe they couldn't he couldn't do with the Vancouver Canucks. So I guess there is some urgency on the Canucks' behalf to not let it get to that point, to not let another team get in his ear. I know people are going to make jokes about, like, there's tampering anyway, but it's a little bit different when you can actually sit down and have a conversation with another team. It's totally different. And and this is part of the point I wanted to make in the, in the piece too, right? Which is, as much as you want to talk about and talk about accurately that the team has this summer of control left, right? Where, where he's a restricted free agent. I think once you get into discussing things like qualifying offers and, you know, club elect versus player elect arbitration and weighing offer sheet risk, like you don't want to be there with a franchise cornerstone caliber player, right? Like you just don't, you don't want to be in the system with, with a guy who's, you know, relationship, right? The personal services he provides the organization are effectively priceless. Like you just, you, you want to get it done more quickly than that. Now you still have what, five months, four months, uh, or sorry. Yeah. At least five months before we get to that point. Like, I don't think we're really in the point of, you know, quote unquote panic mode or, or, or really making this sort of, um, the the daily type conversations that we have until probably June, mid June, depending on exactly when this Canucks season ends. Right. So, you know, I, I think you've got time, like urgency is probably too strong at this point, like the clock's ticking, but I don't think you have urgency until June, until the last month before you get to that point, before you have to start considering, you know, um, uh, protecting the club's interests using a variety of levers within within the uh, CBA system. Mm-hmm. Like th- at that point, I think you'll have urgency. Right now, I think you don't. I think after the season, things will change. But for now, I, I really do think urgency is too strong. Um, and and yeah, the Chuck template's a fascinating one too because that's you know the the first time. Um, and I guess you could say Pierre-Luc Dubois did it again the next year, right? So we've kind of got these two versions of it in the summer of 2022 and the summer of 2023 where a player really exercised his pre-agency rights, right? Like he used the fact that he uh, didn't want to discuss an extension after the season to drive the bus, get himself a big deal, and choose his destination effectively, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so we do have that template too, which is outside the CBA system and something I'm sure, by the way, the team, the teams in the league, uh, are monitoring with some, some level of concern. And that's for sure the, 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 the risk here. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know, like beyond the fact that we don't know exactly what's going on between Pedersen's ears, he's not going to elaborate on it publicly. He's made that pretty apparent. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to know exactly how likely that is, or, you know, at, at this point, I don't think we have any evidence that we should be worried about it going in that direction. It's certainly not like the Jets with Dubois where we had, we knew, we knew that two years before he could go. Yeah. And, and, and then the Kachuk one's interesting too, because Kachuk had, you know, I, I don't know if this came up in your research, but like Kachuk had a comment in uh, locker room cleanout day that year, right? Where he's like, I'm open to signing a long-term extension, right? And then a, a couple months later, he wasn't. So yeah. there's there's definitely, you know, a variety of ways that this can play out. I, I, I wouldn't dwell on the Kachuk comp yet. 
just because we don't have the information for that, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, I don't think there's a basis for it based off of the fact pattern as it exists. Um, you know, with that said, I, I also think there's not been an indication that would put your mind at ease. So I understand why fans would go there. Is there a pending unrestricted free agent that the Canucks have that you would target to keep above others? So in terms of like Pedersen, Heronic are the ones that come to mind immediately. Right, but I'm talking about UFAs. Guys, like, sorry. So like we were talking about how Teddy Bluger has really impressed us. And, you know, maybe if there's one guy that you aim to keep, it's it's Bluger, even if it comes at the expense of, a, I don't know, a Sam Lafferty or a Dakota Joshua. Is there one guy that's, that, that, that's really important for the Canucks to be able to retain? Oh, man. That's it all depends on price, right? Like, that's it's hard to answer like that, but, like, you know. Yeah, I, and, and, you know, it also depends on what other needs you have. I mean, the one thing about Bluger is because I agree with you. I think he's been stupendous. But the fact that you have Suter lined up for next season at one point six million, right? To me, anyway, would at least partially reduce the urgency that I'd feel uh, were I the Canucks to spend, you know, like the camp contract plus on Bluger, right? Um, so, you know, honestly, I. I I'd probably say Zadorov, to be totally honest with you, just based off of the uniqueness of the player. For me, it would be Zadorov or, or Dakota Joshua, mm-hmm. because I think those are harder guys to replace. You yeah. know, you, you have both Zadorov and Myers coming up, right? That's what, 13 foot two worth of defensemen? <laughs> we know how much, uh, we know how much Rick Tockett values size. Um, you know, Zadorov's a guy who can move the puck really well. Uh, you know, I know he had a, a giveaway in Columbus, but the fact is, is that he's played really well since arriving in Vancouver. And I think he can do some stuff as a transporter, um, as a defensive player. You know, I, I think the fact that that pair with Myers when, when it was together looked so good is a, is a credit to him too. You know, so, so to me, that would be like a unique profile, a more unique profile than, than what we'd be talking about. With His Blager ice time has been down Lafferty. a little bit though. His but, ice time has been down a little bit yeah. um, since Susie got back in the lineup, mm-hmm. and they are committed to Susie, who's I guess six foot four. So maybe you could say they have uh, too much invested on the left side for uh, an additional investment in, in Zadorov, and, and we know that Zadorov is going to be uh, expensive and require term. But I, I just think Zadorov is a unique piece, uh, a, a more unique piece than than a Bluger, and then Dakota Joshua would be the other one because where, where else is this team getting size? Uh, where else are you finding a a guy that big who can skate that quickly, who's reliable as a two-way player, can kill penalties and scores 10 goals and fights sometimes? I mean, that's again, I I sort of I sort of look at it based on how difficult it's going to be to replace the guy and start there. And and I just think Zadorov's the type of player. There's like five of them in the league. Uh, Dakota Joshua is the type of player where there's like seven or eight of them in the league. And those are the guys that I'd prioritize keeping ahead of Bluger, who, who again, I've got a lot of time for. Really like the player. I think he's performed exceptionally well, but defensively reliable bottom six centerman. You know, I don't want to say it grows on trees, but it's it's something you can find. Do you think Rick Tockett is sold on keeping the lotto line together for as long as he possibly can? I'm, you know, <laughs> he didn't sound like it at times early on in that latest road trip, but uh, you know, he he seemed to be more converted as the trip rolled along. 
and and I'm sure the team's results, you know, have to give him some some um, confidence that they can stay together and that the team can stay afloat, right? Like the the everything about this configuration has worked. The team's playing their best hockey of the year. It's not close, right? Like you're suddenly watching this team play and seeing them control play at a level that I've been, you know, left wanting on, frankly, yeah. for much of this season. That's done. Like, that's done. They, they were, you know, 56, 57% control of whatever you prefer. Shot attempts, shots, expected goals on this last road trip. Um, you know, that, that, that score adjusted, right? Like, that's elite stuff. That's like, okay, well, that's a... If you do that consistently, and, and I need to see them do it for longer than seven games, but if you do that consistently, you're you're a hundred five point team in terms of your true talent level. Like that's that's getting into contender territory, right? Um, that when you put those three forwards together, you know what what you do is you take Pedersen, whose primary forward line mates this year have been Kuzmenko, McKayev, and Lafferty, right? And you're giving it you're giving his like quality of teammate an absolute shot, shot of steroids, right? When you play him with Quinn Hughes and uh, Philip Ronick and, and play that group as a five-man unit, you know, you can overwhelm your opponents at the top end of the lineup. It also causes you, like, before they went on this road trip, Pedersen and Hughes had spent about 70 minutes fewer together at five-on-five than Hughes and Miller. And in the minutes that the Canucks had played Pedersen-Hughes in the state stats a couple games out of date. So some of this includes the change, like the Canucks outscore their opponents three to one. Um, so this gets you that look uh, for, for more, um, more time. And that's been, you know, uh, a money hand for the Canucks to play. Like that's been the nut cards year over year. Um, and something the team hasn't done a ton of to this point in the season. Uh, you know, those two factors I think have put nitrous in the Canucks engine. I, I think it's allowed this, you know, I, I think you're getting the best out of Pedersen, and I, I tend to think what's best for Pedersen is, is best for this team. And then you sort of go down the lineup, and it's like, okay, that that Garland, Bluger, jo- Joshua line, um, frankly, controls play so well. Yeah, that, that can really be a second line. Your answer. I wanted to actually. We've only got a few minutes left, and I wanted okay, okay, to reserve. I, I wanted to reserve a few minutes for you to sing the praises of Connor Garland because you've always had this guy's back. And I don't know, when I think big picture on this, I don't know if it would have been possible to put the lotto line together if Garland hadn't been driving play on that line with Bluger and Dakota Joshua. He has been one of the most impressive Canucks for me this season. And even though it's taken him a while to start, you know, scoring goals and finishing on his chances, he's starting to do that now. And I think he's been absolutely terrific for them. Yeah, he's really good. I, I like he's just really good. I think he's a. I mean, I, I you know I still probably have an opinion of him that would make you double take, right? Like I think he's a top line caliber forward. The honestly, way he's been playing, like he is just like if <laughs> honestly, if you're like if you, if you're a little kid watching the game, learning how to play, you'd be like, watch Connor Garland because the guy never stops working. He never stops moving his feet. He is just yep. constantly like he if he if he loses the puck, he's working as as soon as he loses it to get it back. And quite often, you know what? He gets it back. He gets it back. Yeah, and and I mean, 
you know, they're, they're like, I made a joke on the show yesterday because uh, Chris Faber was one of the few media who'd braved the snow to go to Canucks practice. And he tweeted out that, you know, the, the Miller, Pedersen, Besser line was having this intense battle with the Garland line, right? And, and my joke was, yeah, it's the battle to see who's the Canucks' real first line, right? <laughs> and, and, um, and, but truly, that's the level that that line has been at. And, I, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's hard to know who's the guy driving those results, uh, at least primarily right now that, that takes nothing away from Joshua or Bluger who have been huge parts of that line. But, you know, I, I just think like, I honestly think we're in a situation where Garland's so overqualified to play on a, on a third line role that we actually just don't often see a, a guy with that much impact who makes that much two way impact, who creates that much for his line mates play that far down the lineup uh, this consistently. Um, but when you do get it, I mean, it is a pretty amazing thing. He's a, he's a huge part of this team and his success has been a key driver. And now, as you know, right. Has been key in allowing Vancouver's depth to hold, mm-hmm. which gives talk the flexibility to keep, you know, that Miller Besser Patterson line together and really um, sort of cook teams at the top without giving too much back uh, on the second, third, and fourth line. I think it's time for an I told you so article about Connor Garland, Trancer. Mm-hmm. I'd read well, it. Well, no, I'm... I'm, I'm you, know, you never do that. I'm too busy. No, I'm too busy eating humble pie on uh, on my overall team t- to victory lap on my player once. That's I true. Know, I feel good, though. Yeah. Victory lap is always fun. <laughs> Even if it's undeserved, sometimes yeah, yeah. victory lap feels real while, nice. while While you're eating crow. Yeah. You know, like yeah. While while I'm eating crow, also be like, but what about Besser, Garland, and Kuzma? <laughs> uh, enjoy the game tonight, bud. We'll do this again next week. See you, buddy. <laughs> Cheers, dudes. Bye. See you. Uh, Thomas Trance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks talk here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.